Town. This is Coach Andrew, and I'm joined today by one of our awesome members, Erica Anandamai. And today we're going to be talking about growing beyond just the physical transformation that we see in the gym. And this should be a really fun conversation. If you guys know Erica, uh, I'm expecting some good stuff on this one. Not to, <laughs> not to put too much pressure on you, but more from a fun standpoint, more from a creative standpoint. And uh, yeah, it's a conversation that I'm really, really looking forward to. So thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I listen to your podcast all the time. I'm always inspired by the things that you present to the community here at FitTown. So I'm really in gratitude to be a part of this as well. Awesome. So um, give us like, how would you how would you describe what you do? So I mean, I, you've been a member for eight years here, so that's your connection to FitTown and um, and your mom and you've worked with so many of the people in the gym, myself included, but a lot of our members. And a lot of times that gateway to working with you looks like massage therapy, some type of pain relief, but what you do goes way beyond that. So what would you, how would you describe what you do? So funny enough, I literally just say that I am a light spreader. Um, I never have an end result or a definitive pathway that I create for anybody who approaches me at the gym or anybody I feel maybe I can assist through the pain healing process. Um, everything to me is energetic. So I resonate more as something I have lovingly created called a vibrational medicine practitioner. And what that is, is I work completely in an energetic realm or a fourth dimensional <laughs> construct, which we can get into, of course. Mm -hmm. And I help people help themselves on the most total level a human can possibly get to. Awesome. We're going to come back to that. I want to start, I want to start with the physical side because I think we can kind of ground people with something that they can really relate to. And then I think we can branch off of that. And so your individual transformation is, you know, one that we're as proud of as any, any in here. And so seeing you throughout the years, um, seeing you in all different forms and fashions, and, and now seeing what you're doing in the gym of setting so many personal bests and doing things like bar muscle ups and handstand walking and really like the full expression of what you're capable of in the gym is really cool to see. So what's it like what's the physical journey been like for you in the gym and some of the accomplishments you've you've had oh gosh i mean <laughs> so yeah like you shared i have been a member here for eight years but before that prior to that i was a collegiate soccer player um, fitness has always been a big mm -hmm. part of my own journey and I just got to a place probably I would say early 30s where fitness stopped being fun for me like I didn't enjoy running I didn't enjoy expressing my body um, in a healthful way and so I had to really switch a ton of narratives and one way of doing that is I decided to be more like a child <laughs> and COVID was really a gift for me personally in that arena because when the gym shut down for a very short amount of time during COVID I decided to go back to my animalistic ways I climbed trees like every day with my kids I was barefoot earth walking every single day Riverbend Park Jonathan Dickinson anywhere I could go and it kind of reintegrated into my being this enjoyment of connectivity with my breath body connection 
um, as well as doing a lot of yoga in my driveway, which my neighbors <laughs> would come over and do yoga with me in the driveway. It was super fun. Um, so when the gym opened back up uh, in 2020, I decided that I was going to do things differently. I was going to come in here with a different mindset, a different kind of trajectory and goal or purpose for why I was spending an hour of my precious time in a place, you know, and I kind of trickled into that particular belief structure in every avenue of my life after that point. So my big catalyst turning point, I would say, was right before COVID began. Um, I actually decided to walk away from any form of distraction that I had currently been like participating in mm -hmm. and just really be in a conscious space, not only within my body, but also my mind and my spirit. And so I started viewing every workout as an opportunity to play to play and that's basically what it was um i wasn't attached to an end result i wasn't attached to how can i you know hit this as hard as i can go i was attached to the fact of like how can i really just breathe and smile through the whole process and through just staying consistent in that way i've been able to hit prs i never thought in a million years i would hit at almost 40 years old yeah, that's crazy. So, all right, I want to dig into this a little bit. And and so you often will make adjustments to a workout. You know, sometimes it's making it easier, sometimes it's making it harder, um, but you'll make that. How are you, you, you know, I love the idea of play, but how do you kind of gauge on any given day what that is actually going to look like, you know, in practice? Yeah, I mean, it starts um, bright and early in the morning when I wake up around 5.30 a.m., <laughs> Um, I place my hands on my heart, I take a deep breath, and I ask myself, what do you want from this day, Erica? Like, what, do you, what kind of impact do you wanna have, not only in the microcosmic sense, but in the macrocosmic sense? What kind of reflection do you wanna gift and receive from this day only? And then I go on my little sugar <laughs> one, and I look at the work, and I'm like, ooh, yay, we have this or this or that. And there are two movements you will probably never see me do at the gym. One is wall balls. The other is skiing, although I have learned to embrace the ski a little bit more. It's a joke I have. Um, a lot of the members that I work out with know. Uh, I'm like, I live in South Florida. Why am I skiing? You know, it's like, why am I skiing? There's no snow or mountains here. But um, so, for instance, when I look at a workout, I ask myself, am I available for this today? Am I available to, to kind of push past a threshold? And then I don't really look back at any sort of weights, like what did I do last time or what did I do a month ago? Mm -hmm. I embrace each and every workout just in that day, just in that moment of yeah. like presence, complete presence with my process of how am I feeling with this barbell in this position today? Mm. And since I've kind of made it more simplified, I feel like it's brought a lot more just expansiveness to my availability to really just blast through any sort of constrictions I might have if I was focused on what did I do last time. Mm, that's cool. And so you, you mentioned the shift of, of working out is now play. If you look back in your journey, what, what was working out for you in the past? Like, what were those things that were not play? Like, what were you trying to make it for yourself? Oh, gosh, I hate even <laughs> answering this question because it's embarrassing. But I just wanted to have, like, a kick-ass body. 
to be honest. Like I had a really interesting journey with my <laughs> the health of my mental capacity with my body, like how I felt about my body. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a very petite girl. I've always been a very skinny girl. Um, and at one point, you know, a healthful body to me looked like a hundred pounds raw vegan, mm -hmm. you know, like wafy doing hot yoga every single day. Basically as small as you could be. Yes, small, exactly yeah. right. And it wasn't until um, I found CrossFit style workouts and things like that, that I started really allowing my body and my vision of what I thought a healthy body looked like to expand more. And a big story about that is when I first started my journey with CrossFit style workouts, it was after uh, my son Lucas was born 11 years ago. And I was a medical massage therapist for a gentleman who opened one of the first boxes in Palm Beach County. And he's like, Erica, come on in. Like, I want to train you. I think you'd be great at it. And mind you, that was my raw vegan 100 pound mm -hmm. stage. And I said, I don't want to look like a man. Like, mm -hmm. that was my mentality. Muscle meant I looked masculine. And he just laughed. He's like, You know, you won't, I promise. <laughs> so um, I went in, I tried to work out. And everybody looked overweight to me. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm gonna crush this workout with these people. <laughs> and everybody crushed me. Like I was the last person to finish. I was dying on the floor. My endurance was like terrible. And it just broke me out of the box. That was that first moment for me. And ever since then, I was like, okay, let's try this. Let's take this journey. And that's what this has been, a journey. And I feel like a lot of people like myself get involved with gyms, get involved with fitness protocols or, you know, fitness fads. And they think, oh, yeah, it's going to give me this body or it's going to give me this mindset or it's going to open up these pathways for me. And then they stop. And then when it stops being the same, because let's face it, we're evolving all the time. We're changing every single moment of every day, including our cellular structure our mental capacities, right? Whether we are consciously aware we're changing or we're just participating unconsciously with it. There's so much expansiveness available in a place, especially like Fit Town, which is why I've been a member here for eight years. Because you can constantly rearrange, transmutate, transform how you approach every day, every workout, every movement, every breath, every connectivity with yourself and the workout that you're doing in any given day. Mm. And it's pretty as simple as that. So you mentioned the breath a few times and how it can connect you in a workout. How, how can, can you share on how others can do that in a workout to maybe get more aligned or in tune with how they're feeling on a given day? And, what their body you know, needs from them that day. Sure. Um, I find, especially in general in life, people hold their breath a lot. People are never breathing properly as it I'm is. I'm making sure I'm breathing. <laughs> I know. It's like, don't judge me, Erica, don't judge me. Um, and especially more so in a workout. And let me be very clear in saying this. If you, you know, align your breath during a workout in general, since we're talking about that, it doesn't mean you're going to all of a sudden be the fastest, best athlete in the room. It simply means that you're going to gather the awareness and presence to co-create the action that you seek 
in a more effective and efficient way. Um, it definitely adds to your life. It doesn't take away. So when I'm doing a workout, a lift, for instance, I will go to my barbell and I will treat it as if it is a living individual. I will, you know, connect my energy with that thing, that barbell mm -hmm. or dumbbell before I even attempt to pick it up. And I don't care if it's a fast paced workout. I don't care if it's a strength wad. Like this is how I approach the thing I'm about to do. Um, in regards to weightlifting, I bring my belly button as deeply into my spine in connection with my spine as possible. Now I have really bad diastasis rectus, which is where your abdominal wall separates. Yeah. Um, I got that after my daughter Ella was born, who's now seven, so I've been dealing with it for seven years. It's gotten significantly better from the breath connection, but that's a huge reason I started doing this. I also am mindful of what muscle structures am I going to need to do this particular lift. So like, for instance, a deadlift. I'm making sure my shoulders are pinched back in the proper position. I'm making sure my wrists are properly aligned with my grip. I'm making sure that my hamstrings are feeling a bit loaded before I actually pick up you know, the barbell. And then when I'm standing, I'm squeezing all of those muscles simultaneously at the same time to be like, hi guys, this is your lift. This is your moment to shine. And I talk to my body like that. And then I release and I give gratitude. And then I take another breath and I do the same process over and over and over through the same lift. Um, it just really works. And I feel like my body is a bunch of cheerleaders and they're like, woohoo, thank you so much for actually utilizing me properly, Erica. Like that's how I feel. And you might notice like when I'm working out, I laugh or I smile a lot or I'm like giddy. It's because I'm in pure joy. Like my body's in pure joy. It's never in pain. It's never like, oh gosh, you know, like it's never dense to me. It's always like, yes, I'm so capable. I'm so grateful. This body is healthy. This mind is healthy. I can take this time for it, you know? So that's the way I approach it. I love it. It reminds me of, of a story I heard of Arnold Schwarzenegger when he used to work out. He used to like visualize his, I guess his consciousness like inside his bicep if he was doing a set of bicep curls. And, and so it's cool. You know, I think someone could, could maybe uh, downplay that if they're like more competitive or something. But I think there's, there's something very powerful there, you mm -hmm. know, regardless of what level you're at that, that everyone can tap into. Um, Let's talk a little bit about pain. And you work with a lot of people, again, oftentimes when, when people start working with you, it's due to a physical pain. Mm -hmm. You know, shoulders bothering them, wrists bothering them, back bothering them. What, how do you think about pain and, and maybe what are, what are people missing as it relates to pain and injuries? So pain and injury is a message board. That's the way I look at it. I don't view it as a definitive, like, um, you know, solidity of like, this is what's happening and this is why it's happening type situation. Obviously, if you stub your toe, it's going to cause pain. Mm -hmm. But I do believe there is, again, an expansiveness to all things, including something as simplistic as stubbing your toe. Um, I'll give an example. So 
let's just say I have a client who comes to me and they've been dealing with lower back pain and their back squat is really being affected, their deadlift's really being affected, they're like, oh, I can't like lift, I can't lift like as heavy as I used to. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I do is I ask them, you know, why do you wanna lift as heavy as you used to? Like, let's talk about, you know, let's get in the mentality first. So that's like the first check on the check, you know, boxes. Let's talk about our mental structure in regards to the pain in general. Some people, believe it or not, they like to be in a constant state of pain. It's their safety net. I know that sounds wild because, you know, for some individuals maybe listening to this, they're like, oh gosh, I hate being in pain, I hate being in pain. But that's another side mm -hmm. of the spectrum too. Why do you hate being in pain? Are we supposed to be these perfect creatures that are like steady and neutral and we're not supposed to be in, you know, duality or chaos or separation at times in our lives in order to grow? So those are the two flip sides there, mentality-wise. Some people really enjoy being in pain because it's a way for them to kind of distract and navigate away from deeper reasons for why they're feeling pain in other areas of their life, maybe emotionally or spiritually. And then some people really are opposed to pain. Some people are like never complaining about their pain. They're always like, you know, you can see it all over them. It's palpable, but they will, they're like, oh no, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, you know, and they kind of take the other avenue away from pain. So mental, I find out what someone's mental structure is, how they feel about pain in general, because how you feel yeah. about pain dictates a lot of why you're in pain in the first place. And then I'll have them on my table and I'll do something called um, medical intuitive work. Medical intuitive work is a part of the energetic stuff I do where I'll just do a scan over the top of their body and I'll find out where they're holding density or darkness in their body. A lot of times it is a older injury or an older emotional you know, uh, process that wasn't fully allowed out. Uh, so it might be like you know, someone's fear with something or somebody's, uh, I hate the word pain body, but I'll use it, somebody's pain body coming through um, in their emotional, you know, structure. And so for someone who has the lower back pain, you know, I'm working in that area, but it's so much more than that. So generally when people have lower, uh, lower back problems, it means that they're not feeling supported at all by life at all. I mean, 100% of the time when someone comes in, even if it's a herniated disc, even if it's an actual injury, it's because they feel like they are alone on the planet. And it's so sad when I, you know, I'm unveiling this process with them. Because for the first time in their lives, they're actually being seen. And now we can move forward in a healing protocol. Now, I don't do the healing. I assist them to understand the pathways available for them to heal themselves. And that's where the real work begins. That's where we start really diving in to a more fourth dimensional, you know, reality. Sharing with them that there's so much more than just this pain, just this body, just this physicality, and what a optimal healthy life they can have if they're willing to take the blinders off and take a look at the full 
you know, enormousness of their energetic self. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Yeah, I mean, I certainly had a taste of that with working with you and um, understand it to a certain degree, <laughs> learning each day. Um, if I, if I think about the common example of the person who does have that lower back injury, they've had it for years, their common approach is going to be, okay, maybe I rest it, maybe I do some correctives, I go to a chiropractor, I go to a physical therapist, maybe I go look at surgery, and they're trying things to improve it, right? They're not just, um, just letting it kind of persist, right? They want to improve it. And so where where are they going wrong with that or where can they what would a better approach look like on that so i'm a big advocate of enlisting the help of as many individuals as you feel you need in any given day or moment for whatever you know deficit you feel like is occurring within yourself however i feel like where they could definitely expand is by going on the inner journey so a lot of times, and this is something I lovingly coin as spiritual prostitution that is rampant on the planet, but we have this huge marketable industry and the biggest marketable industries proprietor is a human being, right? So we're constantly being told, we need this, you need this, if you don't do this, you know, if you don't read this book, if you don't listen to this, if you don't eat this food, if you don't see this practitioner, then you will never be whole. And everything that is in existence right now, it's mind blowing to me actually, is leading us further and further away from wholeness in general. You have every single tool in your toolbox, in existence, within your being, all of us do, at every given moment of your entire life. It is a very difficult journey, and it is a very fearful journey most people are not willing to take. However, because of that, if you are willing to take it, it is a very courageous journey. It's the most courageous journey you'll ever take, actually, is the inner quest. And so, yes, go to the chiropractor. Yes, go to the massage therapist. Yes, get acupuncture. Yes, absolutely take the Epsom salt bath, okay? take the herbs, take an Advil even. I'm, you know, these are all beautiful little conduits that are in existence with us in this human experience too. You can't neglect any part of it. However, take the Advil, sit there in your fabricated outside of pain structure for a moment and ask yourself the deeper questions. You know, how did this happen? Why did this happen? Is it going to happen again? You know, what can I do to prevent it happening again? How am I feeling today? Was I even breathing? What happened? What news did I get last Friday that could have triggered this? Because our body holds everything. Most people, if you, if you look at them, they're always in a clenched position. Again, holding their breath, clenching their jaw. If you look at most people's faces nowadays, it looks like everybody's angry because they're in a constipated structure within their consciousness. So the only thing I would share is keep evolving people. You know, don't stop just because somebody gives you a reason for why you're having a problem or a pain occurring in your life. Acknowledge it, 
see if it resonates with you. If it does, great, move from there. But I guarantee you, if you truly look in that inner quest arena within yourself, you'll see it's probably something a bit more penetrative. It's something you need to go a bit deeper into in order not to replicate the reasons why something continually occurs in your life. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, as, as fitness coaches, we have often talked about if you have an injury in place and maybe, it, you know, oftentimes people will get a surgery. And so, but then they'll go back to the exact same routine that created the injury in the first place. And so we talk about, well, if you haven't changed the underlying foundation, the circumstances that created this, then the surgery might fix it temporarily, but ultimately you're going to recreate some injury that's similar to that. Mm -hmm. And what I hear you saying is there's a belief structure, an emotional structure as well that supports that, not just the actions themselves, but the beliefs that go into it that will, in essence, recreate those same issues if they're not changed, that no, no surgery can fix. Yes, and I'm walking proof of it, actually, and that's the funniest thing. Even though I'm super spiritual, I'm actually incredibly scientific. I love the marriage of both, and I'm a cancer survivor. So I had cervical cancer for 10 years straight. It kept at stage one, and I was able to beat it four years ago for good because I was finally able to navigate and pinpoint the underlying reason for why the cervical cancer kept rearing its ugly head. Why did the cellular structure in my body continue getting in a transformative space that wasn't in alignment with my health? And it wasn't until, like I said, a few years back that I was able to finally say, this is it. And then energetically go in and shift it, not only through my consciousness in connection with the part of my body that was being affected, but going way, way, way back and being courageous enough to take ownership of the emotional exploit I was allowing to continue to hook into my life and keep me in a hostage situation within my vibrational body. And so, yes, I've been cancer-free for four years now, which is really exciting. Wow. Mm -hmm. How often do you feel like the circumstances need to change or the person needs to change their circumstances versus the person needs to work on their beliefs? And... And how do you how do you see those two? Meaning, I'm, you know, I'm in a situation. I want to see improvement. How often do I take the actions or change my circumstance? Versus, how often should I? You know, everything's fine with what's going on around me, my job, my family. It is on me to change the way I'm viewing this and showing up. Mm. I definitely think it's hand in hand. I mean, there's like that beautiful saying that talks about the flower dying, right? And it says, if a flower is dying, like truly dying, would it be more conducive to water it and nurture it where it is? Or would it be more conducive or constructive to take the flower out and put it in new soil? So I think it's really subjective and I think it's very individualistic. I am not a big advocate of, you know, you need to make these huge, you know, chaotic changes immediately in order to live your best life. I feel like that's a form of escapism that so many people participate in and it keeps them stuck in that victim mentality because every time we project blame onto anything outside of ourselves first, meaning that's our first route of escape, 
all we're doing is confirming to ourselves that we aren't capable enough or we aren't you know powerful enough or important enough or worthy enough to actually take where we are and transmute it into something else and that's the lie we get told by society and especially nowadays and in this you know era we are constantly being told if somebody does something wrong, cut them, they're toxic. If, if, if a place is not good vibes, run, you know, mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And it's like, well, what if those non-good vibes are actually coming from you? And there's a mirror right there and you need to take a look in it. You know, what if you're actually the one who's not hashtag good vibes? Or what if that person is actually presented to you as the most powerful teacher in your life, but you're missing the lesson because you're participating in this structure that, oh, they're not completely aligned with my, with, with my belief structure, so I'm gonna walk away from this. So we miss the big picture, and we as a society need to expand more on our peripherals. Now, if we expand more on our peripherals, and we allow, again, the full spectrum to be seen, and then it's still not working for us, and we get that confirmation from the universe, yes, you, you're safe. You should be moving forward. You should be leaving this relationship. You should be exiting this job or this position. Then absolutely go, but guess what? The secret is you will go in peace. It will occur in complete peace. You will not have any sort of anxiety or depression about it. There will be no worry about your decision. You will be in full ownership of your decision because you looked at every angle to why something was triggering you in the first place. And then there's also this little secret I follow, which is the universe has a funny way of taking the garbage out for you. You don't need to do much in life. You just need to keep flowing with the frequency that's available to you in your current reality. And the universe will open doors for you and close doors for you and the garbage man will come, <laughs> naturally. It really happens. I mean, if you think about your whole life, those moments where peacefulness was present in change, the universe had your back. I think most people, I mean, I think most people find this fascinating, what you're saying. They will probably connect on it with it on some level. And at the same time, I, I think that a lot of people will probably battle with sort of the day-to-day to-dos and tasks that have to be done and the stresses of day-to-day -day life and sort of wonder how do they get more into connection with this energetic side, spiritual side themselves. And so what are maybe the actions that someone can take, start to carve out time for that can start to make this feel more real in their lives versus something that they just understand but is not really relatable to them in this moment? Yeah, so I don't think there's actually a one-stop shop for this because being quote-unquote spiritual is, again, a part of that prostitution realm. I think everybody is spiritual because everybody is a spirit. Um, but I also want to share, and this is something that I feel gets neglected as well um, in communication, is I'm a human being. I wasn't put here as an angel or like some kind of extraterrestrial being, although I feel like it most days. Um, I'm still dense. I still have a third density body. 
So I'm still, yes, you cut me, I bleed, that whole statement, right? So don't neglect any part of it. Don't neglect any part of yourself. Don't feel like you have to go live in an ashram for for 20 years in order to find enlightenment. You're already enlightened. That's the secret. You're already there. And I think the best advice I can give, though, is try to become as present as possible. Try to be as present as possible in just what the moment is. Not what you think the moment should be, not what you think the moment could be, but just what the moment actually is. See that space as your most sacred expression of life because you're still breathing. Your pulse is still going. Your blood is still flowing, okay? You are not supposed to do anything greater than what you're doing in any given moment. If you were, then you would be doing it. And I think that's where people really create the separation between the head and the heart. And when you're in constant separation between your head and your heart, you can never properly express your most authentic self because you're always either thinking way too far in the future, which is why you have anxiety, or you're feeling things way too far in the back or in the past, which is why you're feeling repressed or depressed. And so you're on this emotional roller coaster constantly. And if you could just place your hands on your head and your heart and realize, okay, my heart is beating right now, my brain is working right now, my thoughts are coming right now, and it's causing this existence to continually occur, I still have purpose. And my greatest purpose is being lived out in this moment because I am here, I am alive. And that's it. That is your greatest purpose, to understand that. Life will continue flowing. You'll continue moving forward, whether it's tiny, eensy-teensy ant steps or huge, gigantic elephant steps. Okay, you're gonna keep moving forward. That's a part of the cyclic nature of life. But your journey can be a lot more easy if you just get present in every given moment you are available for. What helps you anchor, and, and would you recommend to anchor you in the present? Is it always breath? Is it, what anchors do you have to pull yourself out of that distraction of the future or the past in any given moment? Laughter. My secret's laughter, actually. So I'll do this crazy thing called like laughter therapy or laughter yoga. Um, I didn't create it. I was taught it multiple years ago. But if I'm feeling too constipated, right, like my consciousness is too constipated or I'm feeling like a density in my heart or something like that where I'm feeling heavy because, again, I'm a human being. And yes, I cry and yes, I get angry and yes, I'm messy. Um, I trigger it with an emotional response. So I will do a multitude of things. I will make myself laugh, like literally make myself laugh, um, until I actually am laughing uncontrollably automatically. Um, I will allow myself the right and the privilege to cry at least once a day. Every day I cry. How do I get there? Because I connect as deeply as possible, and that's where a lot of the breath comes in, to my heart center. Sometimes my tears come in joy, sometimes they come in sadness, but I allow myself that X put of water from my being every day. 
And then the other one, which is my favorite actually, and I do it with all my friends and anybody who wants to, is I do some serious primal screaming. I will be like out in the forest, I'll be in my car, anywhere, and I will do a blood-curdling stomach, like clenching, clear the pathways of all your authentic self out into the universe. And it's not anger, it's just energy again. When we're feeling like we can't be in the present, the best way to snap into the present is by having an emotional response. Think of a baby, right? The baby needs something right now, what are they gonna do? Cry, scream, get our attention, right? Because that's the way they know how to communicate. We have forgotten that as adults because we think we're not allowed to do these things, but we actually are because they exist and they still exist within us. So it's okay to cry people and it's okay to scream and it's totally okay to laugh too. So please do all three more often. Cool, what about if you're uh in the middle of a work meeting or something and you're not, it's not on Zoom, you're in person and you're like, you feel yourself drifting, you feel yourself stressing out the next thing you have to do. What can you do there? Because I can't imagine you're probably not gonna scream or laugh or, um, you know, do something like that in the middle of a meeting. I totally would actually. <laughs> and, no, I'm being serious. So one thing, this is really fantastic and fun. Um, I, I work a lot with, uh, anyway like multi-millionaire like business guru type style people mm -hmm. and I love them they're so fascinating they teach me so much and one of the things I always do when I'm setting up a new client meeting is I will go into the boardroom and I will sit at the CEO's chair or the head's chair I will navigate through it I'll be like that's his chair I'm sitting there he walks and he's like oh what are you doing and I'm like oh, just found this chair really comfortable you know and the thing is is again we have to stop separating ourselves as human beings. Like, well, what do you do in a work meeting? Or what do you do in this situation? And the truth is, is we are all on the same wavelength. We just don't know it at times. So if you're feeling that type of like, you need to get present with something, I highly recommend you do laughter therapy or you go, ah, you know, and you just let out a big roaring sigh or you just put your hands on your heart and you allow that emotion to be present with yourself in that breath connectivity. If you scream, I guarantee you, yes, you will get a reaction, but if you express to the individual why you did it, they will probably want to participate with you 100% of the time. I'm not kidding. I mean, I've been with some really interesting individuals in my life and I always say, you are the energy that you bring. And if you're in ownership of that energy, why would you be embarrassed in any way, shape, and form of how you express that energy? You shouldn't. So it doesn't sound like the problem is, should I do this in this situation? It sounds like, why do I feel like I can't do this in this situation? And those are the questions I would ask myself if I was feeling a little trepidation around doing that. <laughs> cool. What are your thoughts on breath work, meditation as a as a you know something you're going to be routine in routine with or make time for daily weekly basis and do you have favorite types if you're you know if that if you see it as a positive thing for people yeah i mean i hear a lot of people saying i can't meditate like they're like i just can't calm my mind like it's impossible i've tried it just doesn't work for me and i find that fascinating actually um because number one they're right you know, not everybody can meditate. 
And again, this is a part of that like one size fits all box that, you know, is propagated upon us as human beings that if we can't do this, then we're not spiritual or we can't be peaceful. And actually individuals that struggle with meditation, that is the belief structure they take on, which is so sad. They feel like, well, I'm not peaceful enough or my life is just this. And then they go in the opposite direction. So I feel like spiritual practitioners like myself are doing a really shitty job. Not me, but other people <laughs> um, communicating this, you know, finding uh, something that fits their vibrational imprint. And so meditation is very expansive. It's not just sitting there and oming or doing breath connection. Meditation can actually be a walking, you know, experience. It could be a waking experience. You can meditate through talking to a plant. You can meditate through drinking tea and being aware of what that tea feels like as it's going into your being and your body, how it's affecting you. You can meditate by skipping a rock on the ocean. You know, um, just well, it like, sounds like you're, that's what your workouts are for you is a form of meditation in terms of your connection to the external object, your breath, yourself. I meditate all day <laughs> because I don't do anything in life that isn't attached to my greatest joy. And when you do things that are attached to your greatest joy, you're always in a state of symbiotic meditation. And again, I'm not oming all day, but I am always sharing light. And even if that light is being shared through the density or the you know, occurrence of me being aware of where I need to be more present with my own dissonance, that's still meditation, just like prayer. You know, you can sit here, you can pray all day long. If you're talking to yourself, if you're connecting with something greater than yourself, that's prayer. So meditation, you know, find a way to make it more available for you. Make it fun for yourself, you know? And then in regards to you, breath work. Yeah, well, so do you have an either or, do you have, for the person who says, I, I struggle or I can't meditate, have you found any versions that are the good gateways to getting them to have a positive enough experience with it that they want to do more of it? Um, the thing I will do with individuals to help them is I will allow them to experience having an astral projection session. What's that? <laughs> so astral projection or out of body experience is something again available for all of us. It's not specific um, to you have to be like spiritual or anything. Everybody's capable of it. And what it is, is it's being able to feel that flightlessness, that weightlessness. It's being able to get into that meditative state within your sympathetic nervous system. Um, you know, calming down enough and realizing that you're so much more than the heaviness you're carrying around. So I would do something called energetic reconstruction. I put someone on my massage table. It's a very peaceful process. Um, and I just sit with my hands at their head, practicing something called polarity therapy which is the connectivity with their energetic self, with my energetic self. And within about, I would say, one to seven minutes tops, they will go into a sleep state. Now, they're not taking any substances. There's no magical potion happening here. It's literally just me truly trusting in completeness the connectivity of my energy with somebody else's energy. and their physical body will become heavy 
which is what happens during meditation, and their spiritual body will become light. And for the first time, a lot of people feel that weightlessness or that exiting of what it feels like to be free outside of the density and the heaviness of the physical body. And that's what meditation is. So if they're capable of that, then I will help them and teach them you know, how to get there on their own, which mm. is, again, very accessible and easy for everybody. Cool. And then you started to talk about breath work specifically. Were you, did you have something you wanted to say on that? Oh, just breath work. I mean, just being aware of your breath. I like the one, two, three breath. So a lot of times I'll do like deep breath in for three seconds, hold for three seconds, exhale for three seconds. Like mm. one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, like that. Yeah. Um, I also like something called sacred heart breathing, which is a very much more vigorous form of breath work which is where um, somebody literally has a autonomic nervous system response and they can blast through so much emotional constriction. Like they tend to convulse off the table, they <laughs> tend to scream, they tend to uh, you know, have like their body freeze up into positions um, and it is incredibly clearing for them. Is that something you would recommend someone do on their own or always with someone else always with someone else for sure yeah. um only because it can be a bit scary to do it by yourself because you're having a response that you're not typically normally used to mm -hmm. um and also it feels um a bit uncomfortable actually to be honest because you are you know moving so much energy in a short amount of time which is about an hour time period so yeah, you should definitely work with a practitioner with that. Cool. Um, I think we'll wrap up here because it's a lot for today and this yeah. is awesome. Um, <laughs> we can always do a part two if people have questions on this. Um, but is there anything about what we talked about that you, you want to add to or fill in gaps or want to just leave it there? Um, I mean, the only thing I do want to share one more thing is yeah. that, you know, whoever's listening to this, just please know that you are just so incredibly perfect as you are and just really enjoy this journey of life and and being here and you know just keep challenging yourself every day to get more and more in touch with you because you are all you need awesome thank you erica you're welcome if, if uh if someone wants to get a hold of you to potentially work with you what's what's the easiest way to get a hold of you um, so I don't do any advertising and I don't have any sort of uh, website because honestly I've been very lucky. So to one last. of those things where they should, if, if they're ready, you will show up. Yeah, you know, yes, exactly. What's to say if it, if he will, you when, know, if the, when I the student say, is ready, the yes, master will appear. Exactly. Yeah. The students are the master will appear. But yeah, um, I mean, they can always reach out to me. I, I, you know, they'll find me. I'm at Fit Town and I live local. So okay. yeah. Cool. If you guys have questions or want me to put you in touch with Erica, reach out to me, andrew at fittown.com. And uh, thank you so much, Erica. Thank you for having me.